Section 26 of Antonia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Antonia by George Sand. Translated by George Burnham Eaves. Chapter 6, Part 3. Ah, there you are, said Julie last evening for we talk together every evening dear mother we agreed to await the final decision as to my fate before revealing our secret to our friends and to you i saw that i was marching to my destruction julien was content but he would have liked for my sake that all the wrong should be on the marchioness's side and it is quite certain that my resolution when known and published will give her numerous partisans in her circle of pious hypocrites and evil-tongued prudes. But for my part, I cannot endure the thought of being represented to be a lewd woman, and that would happen if I were afraid to tell the whole truth. Yes, of course, replied Julien. Now we must tell it. But you put forward the hour, my dear Julie. For that rash act I adore you more than ever but it was my duty not to assent to it. Love and destiny carried the day over my prudence. They made my devotion entirely useless. A truce to reflections. Bless your children, dear mother. Julie has said it. Julie wishes it. And I know that you wish it as much as she does. While the occupants of the pavilion were thus pouring out their hearts, the Marchioness, installed in the salon of the hotel, proceeded to make a rigidly exact appraisal of both properties. Marcel fought, the notary made sincere but vain efforts to adjust the respective claims. At last they reached a conclusion intensely disappointing to Marcel, that Julie could not hope to save her furniture from the enemy's clutches. It was a great concession to allow her to retain her diamonds and her laces. She had no choice but to submit to those harsh terms, because otherwise she might get nothing. Nobody had appeared to outbid the Marchioness. Marcel had written to Uncle Antoine, hoping that he would feel a longing for the garden and would not haggle over much, for all his wrath. But Uncle Antoine had held aloof. After a final half-hour of discussion concerning the articles, which were already drawn up. Diverse erasures were made, and diverse blank spaces filled up. The dowager signed, and as Marcel, still complaining and protesting, started to take the document and submit it to Julie for her ratification, the dowager demanded roughly, "'Why isn't she here? The matter is of sufficient importance for her to leave her dear pavilion for a few moments.' "'You will admit, madame,' rejoined Marcel, "'that you are not treating the Comtesse d'Estrée so generously "'as to make her feel inclined to come into your presence.' "'Bah! She is very susceptible. "'Go to fetch her, Master Thierry. "'I am in haste to be off, "'and if, on reading the document, she makes any fuss over it, "'I am not one of the sort to wait for her. "'Let her come and state her views here. "'That will be the shortest way.' What is she afraid of? I have nothing more to say to her about her conduct. 
which I care very little about now, and which I didn't reprove her for after all. Did I say a single word to her just now? If I did touch her a little the other day, it was because she undertook to appeal to feelings which I do not owe her. But let her abstain from recriminations, and I will agree not to humiliate her. If you authorize me to go to her with words of peace, and to repeat them in mild and becoming sentences, said Marcel, I will try to bring her here. Moreover, observed the notary, Madame la Marquise doubtless has something to say to her outside of the terms of the contract. Madame certainly intends to give her time to find somewhere to go on leaving the hotel. Yes, yes, to be sure, said the Marchioness. That is my intention. Go, Master Thierry. Marcel ran to the pavilion, and persuaded Julie to return with him. It had seemed to him that the Marchioness, satisfied with her bargain, proposed to try to make some slight amends for her harshness. And it would be more generous of Julie, and perhaps more prudent as well, not to reject that sort of patching-up process with which society is accustomed to be content. Time was pressing, and Marcel was not admitted to the secret at the pavilion. But Julie whispered to Madame Thierry, "'You know now what my marriage portion is. I bring a very small income. But by selling my jewels, we may be able to buy the house at Sèvres. So I am a suitable match for Julian, and everything can be arranged in that direction as nicely as possible.' The Marchioness concealed the impatience caused by having to wait a few moments. She was almost polite as she requested Julie to read and sign. Julie took the pen, but as she found that the conciliatory words which Marcel had led her to expect were not forthcoming, she hesitated an instant and glanced at the notary, as if to ask his opinion. Her deferential air did not escape the keen eye of the lawyer, who had a decidedly sympathetic feeling for her. "'This would be the fitting moment,' he said to his pitiless client, "'to inform Madame of your generous intentions with regard to the questions still left open.' "'Oh, yes, of course,' replied the Marchioness. "'I wish to enter into possession of the hotel at once, to-morrow at the latest. But—' I will allow Madame to retain the pavilion for two or three months. The pavilion? said Marcel in amazement. Why, the pavilion is let. Surely Madame la Marquise knows that it is let for nine years. But the lease is void, Master Thierry, for I did not sign it, and by the provisions of our matrimonial agreements, Monsieur le Marquise d'Estray was not empowered to do any act without my express assent so that Madame Thierry will be compelled to give up her lease without indemnity? I am very sorry for her, but you know my contract by heart. Look at the lease, and you will be satisfied that it is of no validity. She produced the lease, which was in her pocket, and showed it. There was nothing to be said. What difference does this make to you? said the Marchioness, laughing at Marcel's consternation. Madame la Comtesse is still in a position to compensate Madame Thierry for this annoyance. We don't count the expense with our friends. 
"'You are right, madame,' replied Julie with dignity. "'And I thank you for the opportunity you give me "'of showing my devotion to Madame Thierry. "'But I decline your gracious offer. "'Madame Thierry and I will go from your house together in an hour.' "'Together?' said the Marchioness. "'So much frankness was not necessary, madame.' Julie was about to reply when a loud ring in the antechamber made the Marchioness start. "'Come, no useless quarrels,' she said, suddenly changing her tone. "'Here are visitors. Sign, my dear. Let us have done.' And as the footman was about to announce someone, she called to him, "'Say we are not receiving yet. Let the person wait.' "'Excuse me, madame,' said Julie, "'offended by this authoritative tone in her presence. "'I am still in my own house.' "'Marcel, who had noticed the Marchioness's sudden impatience, "'was conscious of an ill-defined but imperative impulse. "'He took the pen from Julie's hand. "'The Marchioness turned pale. "'Marcel kept his eyes upon her. "'Shall I announce the visitor?' the footman asked Julie. "'Yes,' replied Marcel hastily, for he had seen the visitor's face through the open door. "'Yes,' echoed Julie, impelled by Marcel's excitement. "'Monsieur Antoine Thierry,' said the servant in a loud voice. Julie rose with a gesture of surprise. The Marchioness, who was standing, sat down again with an angry exclamation. The horticulturist entered, embarrassed, awkward as usual, but nonetheless holding his head erect, with the irascible countenance which always presented such a curious contrast to his timid manners. Without a direct salutation to anyone, he walked forward in a zigzag line, but very quickly to the table, to the document, to the inkstand, and, looking at Julie, said in a sullen tone, in which an indefinable trace of anxiety could be detected. "'Have you concluded anything?' "'Nothing is concluded, since you are here,' replied Marcel. "'Do you happen to have come to make a bid, monsieur my uncle?' "'No one can bid,' said the Marchioness, in great excitement. "'Everything is settled. I appeal to the good faith of—' "'Good faith is safe enough,' retorted Marcel. "'We are subjected to harsh conditions.' No one ever blamed a man condemned to death, however resigned he might be, for accepting a pardon when it came to him as a surprise. Come, monsieur my uncle, speak. You want the Hotel d'Estrée. I say more, you need it. You can pull down the wall and make a fine addition to your garden. The Hotel de Melcy is old and dismal and depressing and badly located. This one is cheerful, cool in summer, warm in winter. "'You want it. You claim it. Do you not?' "'This is an outrageous proceeding,' cried the Marchioness. "'Madame's consent is equivalent to a signature, "'and an agreement is never retracted at the last moment.' "'I beg your pardon, madame,' rejoined Marcel. "'You were warned. "'I resisted to the very last minute, "'and I said to you three times during the discussion, "'If the door should open at this moment and a new bidder appear,' I don't care who he might be. I would tear up this draft of an agreement which I consider most lamentable for my client. I submitted. I did not consent. 
I invoke the testimony of my colleague here present. Uncle, everyone knows that you are infallible on questions of honor. Tell me, have I the right to object to my client signing before you have spoken? To be sure, replied Monsieur Antoine, especially as my rights antedate Madame la Marquise's. Let us look over this paper. He ran his eye over it and said, This is not my appraisal, Madame la Marquise. You pluck your victim too close, and you compel me to remind you of our agreements. Go on, monsieur, overbid me, replied the dowager. I am unable to contend against you who have millions. I throw the whole thing over and give up my place to you. Wait, wait, replied Antoine. We can still agree with a word, madame. I can act here in a way to satisfy everybody. It depends on you. Never, cried the marchioness indignantly. You are a lunatic, and I am ashamed to have accepted your services. She went out, forgetting her notary, and Antoine stood abashed, with contracted brows, buried in mysterious meditation, and with eyes fixed on the door. They had agreed to act against me, Julie whispered to Marcel. Now what are they going to do? Be patient, Marcel replied. I think that I can guess. He had no time to explain himself. Monsieur Antoine emerged from his reverie and said, addressing the notary, Well, how far have we gone, and what is our decision? For my own part, monsieur, replied the notary, putting his papers together and looking for his spectacles, what took place between the Marchioness and yourself is a mystery. My client apparently abandoned the object she was pursuing, and I shall await further orders from her before taking part in this affair. It is between us two, then? said Monsieur Antoine to Julie, while the notary made his exit. No, monsieur, she replied, pointing to Marcel. I ask your permission to leave you together. Why so? said Antoine, with a peculiarly distressed air putting out his hand to detain her, but not daring to touch her sleeve. "'You bear me a grudge, Madame d'Estray. "'You are wrong. "'Everything that I have done is in your interest. "'Why don't you want me to tell you?' "'Yes, indeed,' said Marcel. "'Why should she refuse to find out what you have on your stomach? "'Pardon the expression, Madame la Comtesse, "'for I am a little irritated. "'But pray,' Set me the example of patience. Let us listen, since this is the day to defy the enemy all along the line. Julie resumed her seat with a cold and severe glance at Monsieur Antoine, which put the finishing touch to his confusion. He stuttered and stammered and was incomprehensible. Come, come, interposed Marcel. You don't succeed in making your confession, my poor uncle. It becomes my duty to question you. Let us proceed in order. Why did you leave Paris mysteriously on the day following a certain tragic adventure which happened to one of your plants? Ah, you propose to talk about that, do you? cried the horticulturist, his little eyes glaring wrathfully. Yes, I propose to talk about everything. Answer, or I take the judge away, and your condemnation stands. 
"'Condemnation to what?' said Antoine, glancing at Julie. "'To her hatred?' "'No, monsieur, to my reprobation and my pity,' replied Madame d'Estrée, despite the mute remonstrances of Marcel, who wished to induce his uncle to mend his ways. "'Your pity? Pity for me?' he retorted in high dudgeon. "'No one ever used that word to me before. And if you were not a woman—' Then he turned to Marcel. Pity! Why, that is contempt! If it was you who advised her to talk like that, you shall pay me for it. End of section 26